Hello, and welcome to a humble episode of the Drywall Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Harmon. With us today, Greg Streeby of Finishing Touch Drywall out of Springfield, Missouri. Scott gave me a call out of the blue and wanted a spot on the Drywall Podcast. He claimed he had a good story to tell, and does he ever? Greg's playing hardball with like with the uh, the now all of a sudden you have a file says Greg Streeby and there's like a team of people that are preventing you from leaving Amazon. (laughs) I see it. uh, They're having meetings about Greg. How do we keep this guy? Yeah. So I'm I put in a 60 day notification and uh, again have some of those similar conversations and I'm like no I'm w- whether I have another job or not I I'm like I need a break I I just I have to okay All have right. to recoup my to recoup my soul so Greg's story is unique in that he left the drywall industry to pursue a high paying career at Amazon but then felt like his soul was getting sucked so he went back to drywall very unique this episode and all of the episodes in october are brought to you by our friends at csr supplying the drywall community with just about every tool you can imagine and even some tools you couldn't imagine their locations are in toronto and Barrie, ontario and they're also online at csrbuilding.com. Go check those guys out. Are you interested in being famous on the Drywall Podcast? Just give me a call or email me at info at frescoharmony.com. 505-400-9313. I'd love to talk to you or... Maybe you know somebody that you think would be a good interviewee on the podcast. I'd love to hear from them as well. But for now, Greg Streeby and his amazing tale of woe on this, the 67th podcast of the Drywall Podcast. Let's get into it. Uh, We have Greg Streeby out of Springfield, Missouri. Missouri, misery, misery. misery. Yeah, <laughs> um, here, I think. Sure, I've heard it. Yeah. I had a friend in Crested Butte who called it misery. Um, you know, whatever. I don't think I've set foot in the state of uh, Missouri. Yeah, it's uh, there's in our area. I always tell people the uh, best things to see is Andy's ice cream and Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> that's okay. in Missouri. Uh, we've also got Branson that's pretty close by too, but uh, yeah. So how did we find out about each other? We, you wanted to be on the podcast. Yes. Yes. I, I, yes. <laughs> See, okay. So if you're listening, this is proof. If you want to be on the podcast and you reach out to me, dreams do come true. <laughs> uh, <okay>, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, I, I recently got back into the trade and, uh, I'm, I'm one of those people that whatever I'm interested in, it's about, you know, being invested in it, learning more about it and everything. So it, the thought came to me one day, Hey, I wonder, you know, are there any, you know, podcasts out there? So, uh, went to Spotify, 
uh, searched up, you know, drywall and you were the first okay. on the list and started listening to a, a few casts and, um, cool. I got interested. That's actually how I learned about Fresco Harmony. So right. My, so I, I think that, uh, I don't remember the name of the episode, but you're talking to somebody who had a background in plaster. So for, naturally Fresco Harmony came up in that. I'm sure it comes up okay. in all, all podcasts, but, uh, yeah, yeah. We talk about it. I mean, I try not to dwell on it or anything, but um, that is, and f if you're listening, that's why I talk about Fresco Harmony a lot is because that that topic of conversation segues into a lot of different avenues of the drywall conversation. So uh, some of it is shameless promotion, but it's texturing is an interesting conversation. And coloring joint compound is an interesting conversation and it's not the mundane day-to-day -day, oh you know box tool running the box tool or you know finishing to a level three you know it's something kind of interesting that i can sprinkle over the top of the podcast to make it to keep it interesting you know yeah absolutely absolutely uh yeah i think uh i i recently got to uh play around with i've been ordering some uh some product and uh, it seems like an interesting uh, medium. Uh, got my feet wet. I saw, you know, what the goals are with it. You know, 100% coverage, right? Because you're you're going to be applying. You're going to have that final uh, color, so be important. Rather, yeah. that coverage rather than like a skip trowel, that kind of a thing. But right. uh, we'll get into yeah. the drywall conversation. But I want to establish Greg as a unique. Uh, interviewee on the podcast uh you specifically reached out because you were like i have an interesting story and which always piques my interest you worked for and we'll go we'll kind of go back we'll jump around a little bit um, you worked for amazon you were in the trade and then you got out of the trade because of your specialty uh in tech is that correct yeah, so uh, in, interestingly, I always love doing drywall, and uh, I, I like working with my hands. I like, uh, you know, doing high-quality craftsmanship, and always enjoyed it. I got out in 2007 when it was, you know, in the middle of winter. I was carting around all these space heaters. I uh, was in a, a difficult marriage at the time, and, um, you, you know, just was you know, kind of burned out, I guess, right, a little bit, and uh, just went over to uh, Expedia uh, that was hiring at the time. That's how I got my foot in the door uh, in, in the tech field. So I just started out uh, there and kind of moved my way up into the company and worked there for 15 years. And well, then real quick, real quick, how did you, when did you start in the drywall trade? Sure. Let's, uh, let's talk about that before you left. And we'll talk a little bit about why you left, but um, you got into the drywall trade or because you, you must have some education as well, right? Uh, actually, interestingly, no. In the tech field, okay. I I was self-taught. So I just, uh, you know, I'm really curious and stubborn, right? People think I'm smart. I think it's more because I'm stubborn. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, rewinding, as you requested, uh, to how I got into the trade. Uh, I, I was working at MCI at the time as like a, a telemarketer and, uh, they, they were filing bankruptcy. So I 
was going to a local church and somebody was like, hey, I'm a drywaller. I need help. And I'm like, I need work. So I started off in the trade as, you know, uh, spotting nails uh, for, yeah. for somebody. To how, uh, old, so I, how old were you at that point? I must have been uh, 18 or 19. So I've got over 20, 20 years experience. So I'm Okay. 41. Okay. 18 or 19. That must have been uh we we're maybe close to the same age you look maybe a little younger uh 99 but maybe yeah. 2003 2001 yeah yeah okay yeah so uh worked worked under him uh for really less than a year before I got out on my own uh we were working for this uh, main drywall contractor or subcontractors and the uh, main contractor kept coming uh, across me working at like four in the morning, five in the morning, uh, sanding out these houses. Don't ask why I was showing up that early. I don't think that was an ex expectation. I just uh, was e either uh, trying to get ahead or, or whatever reason. But he kept okay. coming across delivering materials. And he's like, man, you're a hard worker. Uh, you got to come to work for me someday. Yeah. So, uh, that's kind of what I did. He he offered uh, to sell me some uh, used production tools. So right out the gate, I was uh, you, know, you know owning a set of production tools. Okay. Uh, he get you know deep discount. I mean he he had these things laying around in his garage or something. Uh, so I started off with like a eight inch box, ten inch box, uh, pump handles. Okay. Uh, this was your original boss, or is this somebody that headhunted you from the job? Yeah, he had. So he was the contractor we were working for that headhunted me to come and work for him directly. He he was a drywall contractor. We were the subs for him. So he uh, he actually okay his wing and showed me his way of doing drywall. Which okay, was, so he wanted you to be one of his uh, sub minions. He saw potential right. enough to be a sub minion. He was like, dude, you need to like be. And now at that point in time, do you be start your own? company as a sub for this contractor yeah effectively i think uh that's what uh every subcontractor is in a nutshell and i think that that's how they should treat it right is you, yeah you are um so you're, very you're a business you're a business right so i don't think i had that mindset then but i kind of learned that from him right he was very business minded he was very cool. efficient in the way that uh, he did things he, he just kind of taught me a, a lot of different things about business about efficiency, about, you know, keeping the job site clean, about okay. uh, pride in your work, you know, how to, how to really level up the work that you're doing to a high quality product. Yeah. Sounds like a great uh, mentorship early on out of the gate. He wasn't like, oh, this guy works hard. I'm going to keep a foot on him, pay him as little as possible and squeeze as much work out of him as I can. He saw your value and ex wanted to exploit that value, pay you better show you the ropes, teach yeah. you the rules of the game. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I so had a I had a boss do that too. So also for everyone out there that bashes the new person who's trying to like who's a good worker that is trying to like better themselves in this trade, take note, man. You know, you treat somebody good, you know, you have loyalty for life. If you if you're trying to just squeeze productivity out of a, a out of a out of a worker i just i feel that's not a good route personally yeah yeah i totally agree yeah 
for sure. Cool. So you have, so, so he sold you a set of tools. Did you, did you pay for them all up front or did you, did he like put you on the, the tool payment plan? He probably, it sounds like he was smart. He had like a system for that. Yeah. I, I don't remember. It's probably a payment plan. I doubt I had the money just out the, out the gate. Uh, right. But yeah. I, I got the uh, first set from him and just uh, re- really learned how to dial in. I was running them uh, before, before I went over to him uh, just, I was using the previous uh, contractors uh, tool set. Okay. Okay. Um and what kind of tools were you running at the time? Uh, everything but the bazooka. So I was a banjo taper and okay, flat boxes, cool, head uh, roller, glazer. Uh, okay, I didn't get into the bazooka taping until much later on when I went and bought a new set of tape tech tools. Okay, all right. I was asking sort of the brand. What brand were you using at that time, or did it? It didn't really matter because it was like no, it was they, just, they were tape tech. They, they were used... all tape tech. So you start drywalling, uh, subcontracting. Are you just doing the finishing? Are you doing finishing and texturing, or did they have a sub for hang, sub for finish, sub for texture? Yeah, good question. Because I think at that time or at least for for this guy uh we we did everything so we we did okay. uh all the way through to texture and what kind uh, we of texture pro- what kind of texture were you doing yeah at that time mostly just uh, a stomp just regular stomp not even knocked down and we were doing smooth uh, level four on all the walls except for the closets in the garage regular orange peel splatter um out of a hopper and compressor yeah beautiful beautiful <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's, it's my really, ne- it's my nemesis. <laughs> it was it's interesting because I think at that time, uh that was the thought that I had a little bit ago was uh I it, it seems like nowadays it's definitely segmented with your your you've got the finishing crew, you've got the hanging crew, and then you'll have a texture crew uh yep. and after. I think that's smart though, because yeah, uh, you, you can you know you can have specialization in that people that do one thing yeah. really, really uh, and then also for the company, it gives them that opportunity to put that last, you know, finishing touch uh, on the product, make sure that everything's of high quality and texture it out. Yeah. When I was in Arizona, they had the boss would come around with the big hot uh, spray machine, check the job, spray it out, you know, and put the finishing touch on it, um, which was kind of interesting. But uh Cool. So you're doing drywall finishing, you're making money and you're like, ah, I can't stand this. I'm going to go work for, uh, Expedia. You know, how did that, how did that segue happen? Yeah. It, it briefly mentioned earlier, it's just, I think it was a the circumstantial that I was, uh, burnt out, right. Just where, where my life was at, at the time, uh, we were uh, about to have a baby soon and, uh, you know, it was in the middle of winter. I think the winter and the housing bust uh, right there in 2007. Okay. And in, our, in our area, for uh, folks that aren't in this area, uh, there was a, a freeze. So we, we get like what's called black ice uh, around here where it's just, yeah. it's not snow. It's just kind of rainy, drizzly, and it just freezes everything. So you can walk across the grass right on top of ice. And yeah. uh it's just a harder environment to be excited about drywall in the middle of winter in general. 
right. when everything's frozen, uh, we a lot of power lines were down, and we were working more in these rural areas, so we were having to work off of generators. And it's just, uh, I was a little bit depressed depressed at the time uh, because of those circumstances. So that's why I jumped ship, went to Expedia, and I was there for uh, 15 years. Yeah. Okay. Um, and do you said you, maybe you were getting a divorce at the time. So you, your yeah. wife was pregnant and you were getting a divorce? That oh, sounds horrible. Much later. Uh, okay, so. the divorce came later. All right. Um, okay, so, but you are having a new baby. You're... Uh, how old are you at the time? 2007, 2008? Yes. Uh, so I was probably, uh, uh, whatever the math is, 20, 23, 24. <laughs> okay. You're still a baby. You're like, we, you're like, what the hell am I doing with my life? My wife's over here having a baby. I'm good at tech. I can go get a job at Expedia doing God knows what. I mean, how did yeah. that how did that come to be? Yeah, uh, good good follow up question. So, uh, really, the good at tech, I didn't really know th that I was like good at in the corporate world. Uh, I went from I, I just went into like a telemarketing position at Expedia, and okay. then um, how how I uh, found out that I was good at like reporting and analytics and everything is you, you know in a sales environment everybody's like interested in what they're going to get paid out you know how are they how they're how they're tracking and all of that so there was all of these excel uh, spreadsheets running around and i i had some different ideas and calculations that i i wanted to see or a different way of looking at the data um and i went up to my manager and i'm like hey how do you, how do you uh, write a formula in excel <laughs> So that that was like I always refer to that as like the catalyst of how uh, okay. I moved through. So he was like, "Well, you hit equals in a cell, and you just start writing." And that that's that was like a the catalyst, and then it kind of snowballed from there. So so you wanted to write a formula for in Excel for uh, so you guys were using Excel, and it, it was curious to you how this program operated. Yeah, yeah, and okay. uh, I, I think I just wanted to, I, I don't even remember at the time, like, what, what it was that was different that I wanted to see versus, I just wanted to, like, enhance the trackers that were already there, right? Uh, and then from there, like like I mentioned, uh, you know, it's that curiosity and gumption part of my uh, personality, you know, it's like, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm either creating it on the fly or doing the research, asking people questions. And then, you, you know, over time you, you build like a knowledge set um, and, and then it grows over time. So from there, uh, I started doing uh, advanced programming uh, with VBA, the uh, programming language behind Excel, got into what does it Real quick, what does it mean to enhance the trackers? That was sort of one of your first tasks. Yeah, just, uh, you know, say, for instance, there was a formula that uh, told you what your uh, payout is uh, at a point in time. What I was trying to do was calculate if I trend, if I continued my performance, like if I closed X amount of sell or, or sales uh, today and I continued that trend, what would my paycheck look like, uh, you, you know, uh, yeah. two weeks kind of a thing. Okay. So then that way, that way you could put in like a goal. Okay. I want to make this, uh, this, 
you know, $2,000 or whatever your sales goal was. That's really smart. It would spit, it would spit out, you know, okay, if you, if you trended with this cancellation rate, uh, in this amount of sales, yeah. what, you know, how do you get there? So you need to target, you know, 10 sales a day or 15 sales a day. Incentive. Yeah. If I was behind two days in a row, how do I get caught back up to stay on plan? Okay. So this, it was like kind of a kind of, you had, you, you were brainstorming an idea for incentivization yes. for Expedia uh, telemarketers. Can you very quickly say what I would hear? Uh, Greg calls me on the phone with Expedia. Just a very, give me the quick uh, script. You're pulling <laughs> from old memory. I don't even know. Yeah. Come on, man. You got it. It's in there. It's buried in there. This is Greg Streeby with Hotels.com. Uh, Hi, Greg. Take a reservation. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> well, you called me. This uh, You called me. Uh, I, I, oh. I you're interested in some hotel reservations. So uh, which hotel are you looking at? What kind of uh, amenities are you looking for? I don't know. Aren't they all the same? Uh, well, you know, what are you planning, uh, to, are, are you going on vacation or business? Right. So okay. if you're and what kind of budget are you working with? Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. So you weren't cold calling. These were people uh, looking up hotels.com and they might call and they're inqu- inquiring into, uh, so that's kind of a, that's kind of a slam dunk though for on, on the sales end, I would assume, you you know, that's a high rate yeah. of retention. Yeah. So the, uh, you, you know, it's the typical sales pipeline, right? You know, you're going to have a, a certain amount of volume. This, this even applies in what we do today with, with uh, a drywall and owning a sure. business. Uh, you've got, you know, 33% that are always, they're just going to be no. Right. You've got 33 percent. They're going to be yes. And you've got 33 percent that are going to be on the fence. Right. So yeah. your job to uh, get through the no's fast, get through to the yeses fast. And then where you want to spend your time and effort is on those people that are on the fence and try to convince them. Okay. Um, you, and this is fantastic uh, education and background for for Fresco Harmony, as we've discussed, because it's sales, you know, I don't, I don't think people realize like you're selling something to the client. Like the guy I talked to last night was like, yeah, that I, I wasn't even going to show the builder these samples that I took time to make. And the builder's like, hell yeah, dude, can you do the whole house? Like he didn't, you know, the sample sold the job. Right. The, the, you know, the guy's like, well, yeah, how, how do you do it? You know, so a lot of the, the drywallers, you know, it's kind of like it's built in. Sales are built in. It's like they need a drywaller. You go in and drywall the house. This is like getting people out of their comfort zone a little bit where you're selling something new and you maybe have to risk someone saying no or I don't give a shit about that or it doesn't work. You're stupid. Get away from me. Like, like you have to yeah. be able to take that. Yeah, I think uh, almost a similar situation happened just yesterday. So I'm working on a historic home where we're smoothing out these, this old plaster, real heavy texture, and the customer wants smooth walls. But that on that job site is where I built or made that sample for Fresco Harmony, and it's just sitting over there on the wall, you know, drying, or or was then, and the homeowner pops in. 
And I think what's important with sales is it needs to be part of your everyday conversation, right? You, you don't have to look uh, at it like, it, it doesn't need to be like, uh, you know, I'm going to go into this conversation and I'm going to have to be afraid of being turned down. If it's part of your everyday conversation, it, be, it comes natural. So the homeowner comes in, I've got this sample and I'm like, hey, I know that we're smoothing out your walls, uh, but I just happen to be working on uh, this sample for another customer. Uh, but I just wanted to throw it out there. This is uh, this is a new a new product that I'm working on. Uh, it, you know, you don't have to paint it when you're done. It, it has a, a look of texture, but you also it, it also has a look of uh, imperfect smooth at the same time. Uh, so I I just had that quick conversation. Now they they weren't interested. That's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. His wife really wants that smooth one mm. color solid solid color wall. That's fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's not if it's not just you're excited about it and having having the conversation. I I yeah. mean, I'll be talking to friends uh, just totally unrelated to business and it'll just pop into my brain. Hey, there's this exciting thing that uh, that I'm kind of playing with on the side. Yeah. Um, and then that turns into that turns into another conversation. Right. And you're, yeah. you're like. Sitting yeah. Without crying almost right yeah and again like we were talking about at the beginning it's kind of a fun it's a cool conversation because it's unique there are no color joint compound systems on the market so it's a it's kind of a fun conversation um i've had it too i've had designers be like oh i like texture i like that texture and paint and i'm like mm -hmm. what planet are you from and you're a designer like okay you know, it doesn't have to jive with me and I won't tell them that that texture's stupid and they're stupid. I'll be I'll just be like, "Oh, okay. The conversation's over." You know, like <laughs> like they'll let you know. We'll move right. on to something else. Just like there's been lots of interviewees where we don't talk about Fresco Harmony at all. They're not into it. And I'm not right. going to it's the 33% that it's like you know, that's fine. No, they, not everybody has to be into it. And I think that's a good sales attitude because I'm not selling you anything. We can either have the conversation or not, you know, right. I, yeah. I know there's value in it. it. It's, you know, everybody's different. And, and it kind of plays, goes right back to that, uh, that 30, that 33% thing with sales, right? If you're just having it as an everyday conversation and and it's just part of part of your everyday topics, you're going to talk to 33% of people who are just going to be like, no, nope, not interested. 33% of the people are going to be like, oh, tell me more. And then, yeah. you know, you're going to have yeah. a percentage that, that are going to be like, oh, my gosh, I, I didn't even know that I wanted an accent wall. Yeah, <laughs> the know. on the fence people are like, can you do that? Can you go over painted texture with with mud is that possible or don't you get cat eye or don't you get the pock marks or cat eyes you know like all the all of that you know and then that that really segs what segues because i love answering the questions too but uh i want to get into amazon i'm going to grab a little more coffee i i like it you know even even uh before you, you know social media really took off um you, you know i've always just thought you know like how do, how do you talk about drywall? How Because I think there's a lot of unique uh, individuals out there that are doing different things that have different ideas. Yeah. I, one uh, guy that I know is, is always, he's always talking about, man, uh, you don't see any other trade that's always like uh, 
inventing new ways to become more efficient, to do things different, to uh, save money or be more productive. I don't know if that's true. I'm sure that there's other trades and other things that do that, but sure. look, at, look at all the tools that are. Uh, you feel like you feel like more so than other trades, drywall is inventive and uh, maybe creative in that way. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to do it. When, when I first came across the bazooka uh, versus the banjo, I'm like, wow, you know, um, you know, the, the bazooka, you know, one day uh, banjos are going to be obsolete, but look at it now there. I mean, there's like 15 different types of banjos that you can get. And yeah. It's just, it's interesting. Right. And there, there are times That's where, funny. Banjo, you know, that interests me too. Every time I see a new banjo coming out, I'm like, another bazooka trainer. <laughs> Yeah. But people, I, I worked with people that just use the banjo and were really fast at it. Um, you know, it, it wasn't my, uh, early on, I feel like we have this weird intrinsic thing, which makes us think that our way is the only way. I'm not sure why that is. It's like built into the drywall mentality and I'm not immune from that. Uh, I talk about it on the last podcast. We're still learning new things at the end of the podcast. I have a segment called pearls of wisdom where I ask for like, for, for Greg to bestow a pearl of wisdom upon the drywall community. But I might change that to tell me one thing that's new in the drywall industry that you've learned in the last two weeks that has blown your mind, that where you were doing it one way and you switch, you didn't think it could be done better, you switched and now you're doing it a new way and it's way better. <laughs> like that might be the, the new question. Uh, oh, pearl of wisdom. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I would say it's, it actually ties into what you just said about my way or the highway thing. Um, I, I like to, I, I don't want to ever be that way. Uh, I, I mean, I probably am in a lot of ways. Uh, my, my apprentice would probably say this about me, but yet at the same time, I want to be open to learning things new. And I think what that goes back to is uh, humility, right? You, you got to be a little, you got to be humble um, and yeah. about what it is that you do, can do. And because otherwise, if you're not learning, right, I think things uh, stop be, being exciting, right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I, in, in fact, I'll just leave it with this is I always sidelight my walls. So I've got this really powerful flashlight uh, from doing smooth work. And I okay. call it my quality stick. Your buddy stick? My humility stick. Your right? humility <laughs> stick. Because you, you, you know, you, you might put a put forth your best effort, uh, you know, trying to smooth everything out. But you know, when you really light up those walls, you, you start to see stuff that you're, you thought your wall was great, and then you light it up, and you're like, oh, there's, there's a touch up, there's a scratch, there's a thing I can improve upon. So it's a ni nice. nice way to back to be humble. Okay. And then, uh, do you specifically have a system or a technique or a tool that you've started using in the last two weeks that has changed your perspective on drywall where you didn't think that you were like, Oh no, I do it this way. I've always done it this way. And then some, and then finally you tried something and it changed the way you do it. 
Oh, I'll, I'll get better at asking that question. No, you're good. I'm, I'm trying to think of something uh, different to say than Fresco Harmony, right? Uh, but I, Oh, yeah, yeah. So Fresco Harmony is like the first easiest thing that comes to mind. So, But uh, Fresco, Fresco wouldn't really fall into that category because you hadn't thought all of your life that like you can't color joint compound. Like maybe you have. But you know, it's not oh, okay. shift. It's not shifting your perception on something in the trade where you thought this is the only way to do it, and you know, may, like maybe you were using a six inch, like, and then you know, a bunch of people use a four inch to wipe tape or do certain things. You know, like I'm a six inch guy, but a lot of people use a five inch or a four inch. I've never tried a five inch or four inch because I know in my heart of hearts using a six inch is proper. And that's the way I learned. And there's no need to use a five or try a five or a four, like something like that. But then I try yeah. a four inch and I'm like, Oh, this is way better for angles. You know? Yeah. I, I, I can't, I, it's hard to answer that. So I, I know, um, I mean, I could probably come up with different examples, uh, but I don't think it has the, the depth and meaning that you're looking for. But sure. uh, the, uh, my my apprentice um, is struggling with, well, this this particular job, imagine, you know, real heavy plaster and, yeah. uh, you know, the corners are almost not 90, right? They're, they're like almost rounded because of that heavy texture. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to give her tasks so that she learns drywall and yet um, I, she can get stuff accomplished and yet I can, I can also get stuff accomplished, right? Trying to maximize productivity. And I've always shied away from those, uh, those knives. They're, they're, they coat both side of the sides of the uh, 90 degree angle at the same time. Right. It's, it kind yeah. Of looks like a, yeah. Yeah. I've always, I've always back to that pride, humility. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> I've always thought, you know, I, you know, I can do my five inch or my four, six inch knife down the angle. And I, you know, I run one side at a time, but yeah, yeah. thought process was, you know what, I'm going to go and get one of those because she's new and she, she, she's going to struggle with that, but I need it done. I need it done now. Right. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to just going to go get this tool and I'm going to get, uh, you know, those little rollers, uh, for painting, like the inside of the corner, they kind of look like a ball. Yeah. I'm like, let's mix up this mud, dip this ball into the angle, pull that down there and then run that, run that 90 degree knife on there. Never owned one of those things, but with her in mind, I went ahead and bought that. And then I'm doing it myself, teaching her. I hadn't done it before. I'm like, you know what? This is pretty slick. I can't run my roller and glazer or anything on this thing because oh because you because my next question was going to be well why not just teach her the roller and oh. glazer but like you, you because the the angles aren't square yeah and they're they're so heavy texture i mean we've got them mostly smoothed out now but it just wasn't going to come out right so i needed I'll, a fast a lot of mud in there and smooth would you right. use like a would you use like an applicator tube also to apply the mud i i don't have an applicator okay. tube but Oh, oh, I'm not, I'm open to that. Uh, but this, this was a quick way, right? With yeah. that roller and yeah. it goes right through that corner. I've uh, seen people doing it that way too. With I've seen people applying mud with a roller, with a weird roller, yeah, like paint yeah. roller too. Yeah, yeah, exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of answered the question, you know? Like, absolutely. Like, 
different. Let's be in, innovative, right? And, yeah. yeah. I'll never use one of those tools. <laughs> just to put a bow, just to put a bow on that, that tool. They used to use it. I, I worked, I did, a, had a stint in mobile home manufacturing and there was a dude that was hyper fast with that tool and he would do all the, all the corners with that tool. And then he'd feather the edge, you know, and he had a little technique and he, all his job was, was corners. And he used yeah. one of those tools and he was super fast with it. They used uh, in the mobile homes, they used quick set. It was all quick set. There was a mud bitch and all he did was mix quick set joint compound all day long. And the dudes would yell from the floors of the house, more mud, motherfucker. And, <laughs> and this dude, yeah. he was carrying, he's carrying yeah, the mud. Yeah. Poor guy. He was like covered head to toe and, and like powder and white mud and slop and, and just like, oh my gosh, that was quite a, that was quite an experience. My apprentice calls that the penguin waddle when, you got, <laughs> when you're going upstairs. <laughs> hey, that yeah. quick set thing uh, comment there reminds me of, uh, I worked on one of those extreme makeover uh, homes one time. That, that was, uh, that was really, we had 24 hours to hang, tape, fill, skim, and texture the house. So we're literally uh, taping walls that are being hung. Uh, and it was all quick set. It, yeah. There was like 50 different people. I mean, people were just crawling all over the walls and ceilings and it is a lot of quick set. The job looked terrible. I mean, yeah. It, you know, when you're trying to do, do that with all quick set, it, it came out terrible, but you got a house in seven days and you, it was on TV, but yeah, you got a shitty house in seven days. Oh, people need, right. So there, there are some you know, pros and cons to that, but yeah. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and also brings, shines a light on the construction industry, brings awareness to what it is that we do kind of. Um, okay, that was that was a long segue away from our shift from Expedia to Amazon. How in the world did you get to Amazon? And to preface this conversation, I will say that what piqued my interest is that you mentioned that you made a gang of money, I believe is the term you used. You were making lots of money, but it wasn't enough money to keep you away from the beautiful joint compound. So you had to quit all of that money, <laughs> your, your, your mansion in the hill and your Lamborghini and come back to the drywall trade because Amazon sucked your soul away from you. Uh, that is a great summary. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I get to ask this. So, I, I, I could probably go back to Expedia today. I know, I know, I've got a lot of uh, good network out. You know, good network of people there. Uh, sure. But I think, um, you, you know, when you when you've been with a company, you've been working with the same technologies, you've been working with the same data sets. Uh, it kind of gets a little bit boring, and you you want to do something new. I was, I'm always looking for that, even, even in roles that I'm in. And then I got a phone call from my manager that used to be my manager at Expedia from Amazon. It was like, Hey, we've got an opening on this team. I think you'd be a great uh, fit for it. I wouldn't be your manager, but I would be your, your peer. So that's kind of how the conversation started. And then, uh, to the money side, uh, definitely a very uh, handsome paycheck, uh, okay. if you would. 
And uh, part of the package, uh, so when you get into these tech fields, oftentimes, you know, up to 30, 40% of your uh, gross salaries like tied up in uh, restricted stock units, right? So I was what going- is that, What does that mean, restricted stock units? Uh, so if you're making 100,000 a year- uh, Okay. You get a 20,000 uh, stock package. That stock is stock into the company. And you, you, you can't uh, generally with these programs sell it right away. So you get it as a one lump sum at the end of the year or quarterly. So what, what was happening is my, my stock was like locked up uh, for like over a four year period before you could fully get beautiful, uh, get a hundred percent of it out. So going over to Amazon, there was a sign on bonus uh, for the first two years where my stock package was actually as part of my paycheck. So when you came out of that two years, you were making that uh, that salary that you're collecting on your regular paycheck. And at the end of two years, you were also accumulating that stock like a rate like you regularly would have. Okay. So at the end of two years, you could actually start begin to supplement, even though you you lost your sign on bonus you could uh, already have vested stock to be able to sell. So it's like a, it's like a win-win for anybody that's going over. Um, and that's what attracted me. Right. Okay. Uh, that's that. So do you want me to go right into the soul sucking part? Or did that answer the question? On the no, it does. I'm, you know, I hate to ask, but I'm curious how much, you know, cause a lot of money is esoteric. Like right. how much is a lot of money? Are we talking, is it over 250 K? No, it's right around 180, 180,000. Okay. Yeah. That's decent. That's decent. Um, you're still middle-class. I mean, as sad as that sounds. So, okay. So we're talking 180 without the nightmare of running a drywall crew. That is decent money uh, to me, you know, probably to a lot of people. Our um, in our area, it's very low, pretty low cost of living too. So there, there's ours a lot of- too. Yeah. So, so you you have you have money to you can have a car, you can have a nice house, you can have you know pretty much whatever you want at that point. However, they however it it only costs you your soul <laughs> and yeah. some hours, some hours. But at that point, Amazon owns you. How long did it take you to realize that they were sucking your soul away and that it wasn't worth the amount of money and stock options that you were getting and that you had to come back to drywall? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it's it's like a complicated, it's, it's like mixed with emotion and everything. Yeah. Right? It's complicated yeah. how to answer that. But uh, within that short period of time uh the the hiring manager that i went over to wound up leaving uh very soon after my the, the person that referred me over that was my peer went back to expedia and then we had a couple other people on the team uh leave as well and you, you know it's 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 long hours you, you know they they kind of, it's, it's hard to explain. It's like, nobody says you have to work a lot of hours for them. It's, it's just like a mindset and it's like a, uh, the, the expectation of what you need to produce. You, you, you come out feeling like you, you, you've got to work. Right. And then, and then you wind up, Oh, go ahead. No, uh, that's know. a test. That's a testament to, uh, Amazon. The fact that they can pull that 
uh, efficiency out of people, right? It's not just you. Right. They're pulling that. They have to. They're they're a monster. They have to pull that efficiency out of every single person that works there. Hence the carrot of these stock options, and you know we'll pay out these stock options in whatever way that we see fit. Um, it's fascinating to me. You know, I can't imagine the I, what Bezos deals with on a daily basis. Any of those guys, like Elon Musk, like I'm always like, what does their day look like? They get up and it's like emails five different like assistants barraging them with information and it's like that doesn't even sound fun to me (laughs) like no way like if somebody was like hey nick do you want to run amazon i'd be like no i'm good with fresco thanks i'm you know it's goes back to the soul sucking like uh, or in in the film industry they call it golden handcuffs Yeah. So we're working lots of hours, you know, weight of the world on your shoulders, you know, different expectations. I, the, so it wound up being that within that short period of time, I had uh, many managers because uh, again, people leaving, I'm assuming without having interviewed each of them for the similar reasons why I left uh, burnout, lots of hours. There was about a three month period where it was, just the current manager that I had and me on the team when we had about five to six people before yeah. yet the expectations are the same. So then you, you have even more pressure, right? Even more uh, expectation to be producing and ser- serving the people that you're building reports and anal- analytics for. Okay. Okay. Uh, so then you've got friends and family uh, saying, man, you're, you're not the same anymore. Like you look uh... like you on your shoulders you don't smile as much you're not you're not going to church as much you're not you, okay. you know used to hang out uh yeah. all, all of those things and how many hours how many hours a day would you say you're working at that point for sure 15 easy uh sometimes okay. uh six to seven days a week yeah. it sounds really similar to the film model yeah, and, and just one little call out there. there. There's nothing on paper or anybody saying you have to work these hours. It's just that there's something about that mindset and that pressure. That, well, and the uh, money. Don't kid yourself. Like, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're yeah. making good money. You got a nice car. You got a mortgage. You're taking care of a family. Now, at this point, are you still with the wife when you're... you're... Oh, we we divorced a long, long time ago. Met my okay. current wife. Okay, uh, and in, I think in twenty, we've been married twelve years now. So um, I have pausing on family here. I've got uh, sure. two biological uh, children with the first marriage, and then okay. we did foster, uh, foster to adopt for a while. Wound up adopting, and then we continued to adopt uh, his siblings as they came along. So we have three, five kids total. Good for you! Wow, that's a uh you know, kudos. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, so you adopted three kiddos. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are the ages of, uh, what are the ages of all the kids, the two, but then the three adopted? Yes. So, uh, so the younger start with them and then we'll get to the older. So, uh, and I'm sure if my wife listens to this, she's going to be correcting me if I get their ages wrong, but that's okay. Three, <laughs> uh, three, four, seven, uh, 14 and 16. The two oldest are the, the are 14 you, and 16 year old are the, uh, biological. They, okay. All right. So the adopted are three, four and seven. Yes. Crazy. Three, four. Yeah. And so they were all, and they're they siblings. Were all, 
they're all siblings. Yeah. Um, wow, boy, they hit the jackpot. Uh, or you hit the jackpot one way or another, but yeah, they they grow where you don't know that you have uh, room to grow your heart. I mean, it just naturally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. It it gives me uh it just makes me feel good to hear that. Um okay, so your stint at Amazon was a period of time 2007 to when oh, and I'm sorry. I I, I want to hear the brain process when you were like you looked around one day <laughs> take me through the day when you had the epiphany that you're like oh. I don't I don't have to you know what Jeff Bezos hey Jeff Jeff I'm done yeah, excuse me, Lee. <laughs> so, yeah, good, good. You're good. You're good at like tweezing out these these little questions here. So, um, hey Jeff, you got a you got the red button, the the red termination button. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I had tried to resign uh, a couple a couple different times, and uh, you know they kind of talked me into staying. And by the way, so. Uh, 15 years at Expedia and I was actually at Amazon for one year. So that just a okay. clean time frame there. Um, so I tried to resign, you know, I, I meant, you know, express my feelings about being burnt out, the expectations, all of those things. Cause I, I like clear, open, honest communication uh, with team members, yeah. family and, and my management. And they were like, look, what, we understand. Uh, why don't you come out to Seattle, do some networking, maybe try to get into another team, that kind of a thing. Ooh, nice. Uh, they started to, they immediately went into the sales, like, yeah. don't let this guy go. Don't let him go. We got to keep him on the hook. Yeah. So uh, did the did the uh, trip out to Seattle? And that's just a weird thing, you know, because some, sometimes you're, because I'd never even met my manager in person. And then you, you meet these people, everybody's different in person, right? You know, you've yeah. got the manager, like trying to get all this productivity out of you. Uh, but then you meet them in person. You're like, oh man, I like this guy, you know? Yeah. So I'm back. So that, that had happened in like October. Uh, also during that time frame, where it's just me on the team, we hire some new folks. Fast forward to uh, December, and I, I put in a, a resignation again. So I, I backed out the first resignation in October. Uh, put in another resignation. I said, look, I'm confident I can get another tech job in uh, two months. So I put in Love like a 60-day 60, 60 notice. Greg's, Greg's playing hardball with like with the uh, – the now all of a sudden you have a file. says Greg Streeby, and there's like a team of people that are preventing you from leaving Amazon. <laughs> So, I see it. Uh, They're having meetings about Greg. How do we keep this guy? <laughs> yeah. So I'm I put in a 60 day notification and uh, again have some of those similar conversations and I'm like, no, I'm wh whether I have another job or not. I, I'm like, I need a break. I I just I have to okay All have right. to recoup my to recoup my soul. So. This happens. Uh, we have three new people on the team and I'm going into Christmas vacation and we're, we've got like this house rental on top of a mountain, have no idea. Uh, I, I think it's listed with Wi-Fi, but I have no idea what the connectivity is. Remember these roles that I'm in are all remote, right? So you got to have strong connectivity. Um, you, you know, I'm reporting to people outside of my state or outside of the country at times. And uh, I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, who, who's going to be there to support? these the three new folks they're brand new 
while there's these expectations for for all of our customers and you're we're both on vacation the manager and i and it wasn't it wasn't said again there's that that tricky thing it's like it wasn't said you it's for sure that you're the guy that's going to be on point but it's kind of like implied right so okay. I, I felt again that pressure right to be on call while i'm on a mountain with a laptop and, and no idea what this connectivity is so i go to, go to my wife this is by the way this is not the first vacation where i felt this pressure i'm taking my laptop um but this this is christmas vacation okay and, and i'm like natalie i'm gonna I'm going to have to take my, I'm going to have to take my laptop. I'm going to have to at least support, be on call if these guys need, have any questions for, you know, how to find this in a database, how to do this, how to automate okay. this. I need Natalie, to Natalie loved hearing and just that. just immediately. Right. <laughs> burst into tears. Just, I mean, total yes. breakdown. I mean, I mean, everybody, friends and family, kids, wife are feeling the pressure that I'm on almost in a lot of ways, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not the happy go lucky Greg anymore. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm like, she's in a puddle on the floor and I'm trying to pick her back up. Right. Mm. And I'm, I'm like, Natalie, we're, we're, we are, we're already having a noti uh, uh, notification in that we're resigning. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to resign now. I'll just, I'll just resign right this moment. So, I went back to my desk, uh, and by the way, this this is the background that these companies. Th this is my <laughs> my Perfect. tech uh, background that I worked in front of. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm like, hey, th this <clears throat> this hasn't changed. I've already got a notification in, and this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. I'm continuing to feel these things. Uh, at the at the end of me writing this email, I'm logging out. I'm shutting, shutting down the computer and I'm done. And that, that's how I ended my day. So it's that expectation to work on Christmas vacation. Of course, HR, my manager, um, his manager's manager, of course, they've got a call to make sure that this is the decision that I want to make. Then they're like, uh, you know, sit on this for a minute. We'll call you back. They call back. Or is this for sure what you want to do? There's no going back. Uh, and then, they inform me that they've accepted my resignation. So that's that's kind of where it was. Uh, we we were just done, emotionally drained, uh, not not going to go into another vacation, uh, not feeling that pressure uh, during during family time. So <laughs> I don't know if I should say you seem pretty prim and proper, but I was like, Greg probably got laid that night. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go into the I, details, I but let's just say Natalie was happy with your decision. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it was an immediate weight off my shoulders. I mean, I, I was yeah. smiling again. I mean, it, it was just like total energy boost, total uh, energy boost. Crazy, uh, crazy. Very cool. So, so you're like, I'm going to go drywall again. I, I liked the, uh, the carefree, uh, you know, physicality, energy of drywall. I'm going to go back to that. Yeah. So I, I'll get into that again. Great job at tweezing these things out. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, start up a conversation. I, I, I just had, I, I wanted a break from technology. I tried to, I tried to even spin up my own, uh, consulting gig on the side. Uh, but I just couldn't okay. bring myself 
I didn't, I no longer had that creative energy in front of a computer. And that's kind of what you need for, for those types of roles. And it, I just, you know, even putting together the website and everything, it just felt, it just felt too much of the same. And I just, I just couldn't bring myself to it. So yeah. started a conversation with Convoy of Hope, uh, still, I mean, as far as I know, it's not a closed door, uh, but it's a possibility that sometime in the future that I, I, I might work for them. It's a nonprofit company. I w- obviously wouldn't be making those uh, higher wages, but I've got an idea in my mind and what, what we can survive off of. And that's kind of what's, you know, just, what's Convoy of Hope real quick. They are a company that, uh, that uh, their goal <clears> or mission <throat> solve world hunger. That's, that's what they're about. They're, they go into uh, these disaster areas and provide food, provide water. Uh, that's, that's one tiny component of what they do. What they're really about is actually going into a community and establishing connections uh, with the community and providing long-lasting, self-sustaining uh, systems so that they, when, when they leave, and by the way, they will, they will, when they establish that connection with that community, um, they, they will not leave until they are self-sustaining until they are at a point where they're able to provide, uh, for themselves. So some of that is, uh, systems that, uh, build commerce, build so that they can have money or, uh, build crops and be able to support, support themselves in a lot of different ways. So, okay. Very cool. And they partner with the local governments and, and set all of that up, uh, prior to just, you know, going in and, and, uh, working with the community. So that, that's, uh, I was like, you know what, if I'm, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to provide that data engineering, that reporting the analytics, uh, for that. So, or for this company, this is the, this is the only company I've put in an application with since leaving Amazon. And it's been, uh, this, this conversation started in December every once in a while. So then you look at nonprofit, you know, they've got to justify um, somebody's wages, right? So it's really easy if you're a giving director and you're looking for some, if you're looking for more donations, really easy to uh, justify w- those wages because they're going to be bringing, bringing that back by getting the dollars, you, you know, by getting more giving dollars. But for a support role, like a data engineer, uh, you, you've got to go through a lot of hoops to, to make that justification. Okay. Uh, so that's why it's a long process, um, and that anybody that I've known that has gone there have always said it's a very long, drawn out process to get to get on with them. So okay. three, dur- so during <clears throat> that, I just take off for three months. I I I would never ever take back not working for those three months. No, just spending time with the family, sp- reconnecting with friends, reconnecting with uh, with people. But awesome. at the end of three you know, our savings is like, right. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I need to generate some coin, <laughs> I need to generate some uh, money. Uh, so I started with a local construction company, um, Cardoza construction. I call them up. I'm like, look, I've got drywall experience. I, you can put me in with any crew and I can, um, you know, I can do whatever. I know how to pr- run the production tools, all of the, all of those things. Okay. Uh, so started with them, and during that, they're time, like, "When, when can you start?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the feedback that I got, <laughs> we've never had anybody, buddy, come off the street that says no. that they know how to do drywall 
and actually know to the degree that I know it, know how to do drywall. Yeah. Let this um, be known to all you drywallers out there to know your value. If you are a journeyman drywaller and you know how to run the tools, you are a valuable asset to any drywall company. If somebody is treating you poorly, just know from the drywall podcast that you can go work for a different company and one that'll treat you good and that will be happy to have your service there. I said it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So um, I'm working with them and all that that was, was to slow down our savings. It was not, I knew I wasn't going to make enough uh, with, with them uh, to, to get, where I needed to be to, to provide for, for a family of seven effectively. Okay. So uh, single income as well. So I, uh, I just start doing what I know how to do, right? I'm okay. I'm like, I'm back into the trade, let's start reinvesting in it. So all of my tools that I previously had, unfortunately were stolen at some point in time uh, that they were in storage. We don't know when, uh, when they were stolen, but when I went to go, uh, you know, look, get some tools for like a little project that I was doing, they were gone. So I knew about that years ago. So I basically kind of started from ground zero a little bit and just reinvested into the trade while I still had those funds, right? Because we, we had a smart pool of money. And I just uh, had a, a friend from Chicago, uh, journeyman finisher that was back in this area, uh, you know, he knew I was back in the drywall. I'm like, hey, let's spin things back up. So this, the finishing touch drywall is just a spin up of what I had in the past. It's the same okay. company name, still registered with the government as such. It was in expired status. Uh, so I just yeah. revived. Um, and then that way I can make money simultaneously. And I tried to, okay. I would love to work with Cardo, continue working with them. Uh, they're a great company. Uh, love everything that they do. Uh, they put out good work, but at the end of the day, I needed to work on my own work to make enough money. So I was very open with them, let them know, even when I started day one, Hey, my long-term goal is this with convoy, but I can, I can help you and I need the money. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's how that conversation started. And I, they also knew all along the way that I was kind of spinning up my own thing. And then I had to break the news. Look, um, you, you know, we're having to like babysit all of our bank accounts now. Um, we're, we're just getting down to the bottom of the barrel. We need, we need to, I need, I need to generate more money. So uh, I said in like two weeks or whatever, I, I need to be working on my own projects. And I, and you know, I already had those projects going, right. Did you give them and did you give them an option to hire you as a subcontractor at that point? You know, can we, how can we work together I, type of thing? Did, and you're good. You're, you like, you really like to dig in. Uh, yes. Uh, that, that was my, that was my intent even starting with them. So that, okay. I'm, I'm assuming, um, you know, they, when you've got an established network of, uh, finishers, you try to keep them busy and give them the priority. Right. So I think that was a little bit, maybe a little bit of, you know, they have an established labor, labor amount that they're paying and, uh, I don't, I don't want to uh, unpack that too much anymore. I don't, I don't know what their labor costs were, but I'm assuming um, that for whatever reason, it just never worked out that I was able to do piecework for them. So. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, to- no, totally fine. That That aspect of the trade is interesting to me, keeping labor force, 
paying piece rate, how our industry gets paid, what we get paid. That's all fascinating to me. And I know it's fascinating to our listeners because this is an undervalued trade. So to give you like some background on why I dig in there a little bit, it's in, it's important, I think, to the listeners, to myself. I also struggle with devaluing myself. You know, I think we all do. It's just kind of built in. I've given a lot of Fresco Harmony away, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. the nature of the beautiful walls, like really beautiful walls, me doing them and me being on the wall, being like, I'm not making enough money, you know, mm-hmm. for this gorgeous, you know, I don't care that it's color joint compound. This is what I'm doing is extraordinary and I should get paid more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We've all I, had that conversation. It, it's tough. Uh, in fact, during those 16 years that I was out of the trade, I, I still did the trade. I did it for free for friends, friends and family and, and, just kind yeah. of, you know, you know, project, Hey, yeah. I need a drywall or, Hey, I know how to do drywall kind of a thing. So I never yeah. really stopped doing drywall that, 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 um, I don't know, that connection with it. I, I never lost that connection, uh, on the, on the topic of piecework, it, 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 it you're, you're basically putting a, a dollar value amount on what you think your value is. That's right. right. That's right. So I, I think what, um, helps me with that uh, is the level of uh, pride and effort that you're you're willing to put into it. So I, I look at it like, you know, you're only as good as the last the last job that you did, and it takes meaning you could do a hundred a hundred jobs really well, and if you did if somebody found something that they didn't like about what you did on the last job, you know, that's 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 what people are going to remember. And especially with social media these days, it's what, you know, somebody giving you a bad review, right? Um, so, you, so how I determine the value is, you know, I, I tell customers, yes, I might be higher than what um, somebody else, you know, some of your other bids uh, have been, but we, we, we cover the floors, right? We clean up. Uh, I'll, I'll do a cleanup at the end of the job but I'll even have a, a cleanup crew that'll actually come in and really clean up everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like you, you're, you're offering a service beyond just the tra- your skilled work. And that's, that's how I, how I look at it. And I don't I want like it to that. sound, too, I don't want it to sound too cliche, but it's, it, it's almost like <clears throat> an experience for the customer. You're giving them an experience. You're giving them a service, something that they need from you but the level of effort and pride that you go into somebody's home. I mean, you, you have to look at it like this. Somebody invited you into their home to do work, right? Mm-hmm. It's not always about new construction. You might be yeah. doing a remodel, yeah. patch and repair. So co- you cover everything up, you mask everything off. Even, even if you are like really awesome at keep being clean with your pans and knives, just them seeing that everything is covered, that ever all the trim is covered, that you take pride in cleaning all of that up, and and then what we do is we even have a cleanup crew come in after us, and and because the fact is that that last day you're you're probably still putting mud on the walls or still sanding, you're trying to clean up to get out so that you can get paid, and you you might miss something because you're you're focused on getting you know kind of like getting all of your stuff out of there. Mm-hmm. And the a reality is, no matter how good you are, you you might have missed a drop uh, drop of mud. You might have missed some dust. 
um, that accumulated in the windowsills or, or whatever it is. Yeah. So I, even, even after I send in the cleanup crew, I will go back and look at the job for quality. And it's that, you know, that's the service, that's the experience that you're giving to the customer. So you're, when you're packaging up your value, if you, you know, you package it up as full service package, you're, you can charge, you can charge those higher rates. No. DRR drywall, Daniel Osborne and I talk about that. He's from Florida, very early episode, um, but he charges like a premium. Um, it's a pretty good episode, but we get into that. And he's uh, he's kind of a Christian guy, doesn't cuss, you know, no cussing on the job. They got a swear jar. They, you know, uh, clean clothes. Uh, you know, he doesn't want his guys showing up all gritty. Um, you know, that that to to warrant those prices, he, you know, he shows up in a certain way, presents himself in a certain way and does and handles his business in a certain way. Um yeah, agreed. Agreed. We, you know, we can probably be better. You know, you want more money. Maybe ask yourself, how am I showing up? You know, how am I showing up in the not just on the job, but in the world? Yeah, it's it's present. It's a presentation. Is your everything that you do on that job is a is a product, right? You're you're selling you're selling your service, but you're also selling you. You're selling your business. You're selling yourself. You, yeah. That, that's really what all sales is. You're you're actually selling yourself and what what you provide. So there there is a lot of uh, presentation uh, to that, uh, but but it also at the end of the day, you know, you you might look at it like you're covering up and it's extra uh, covering up something. But at the end of the day, you know, it does keep the house cleaner. It does protect the the customer's home. Yeah. Uh, we even, uh, whenever we sand, we'll, we'll create up a, a negative airflow system to pull all that dust out of the air, pipe it outside of the house. Cool. Um, we, uh, as soon as that's done while the, while the wall system is set up, uh, we'll vacuum out all the dust, uh, all of that previous to, to us opening up that bubble. We want to make go. sure, you know, uh, even, even after you turn off that system, there's no potential for that to still cross-contaminate and get out of the area that you're actually doing that dusty work in. Cool. So you tweak out, you tweak out about the dust, which is really smart. Even in fresco, there's still some shedding, I call it, you know, like you got to sculpt the the corners and, you know, there's still going to be a little bit of dust, not quite as much because we're not sanding, um, you know, we're not grinding on the walls, which is sweet. Um, yes. But there's a little bit of dander and stuff, you know, when we get done with a job. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So that's, that's how I look at the the value And you know, you work, you work with customers too, right? I mean, you, you, uh, yeah. you know, there's, there's give and take with everything, right? You, you can't, you can't ever just say, here's my dollar amount uh, per square foot. Here's my dollar amount. It, it never, you have to look at every job differently. You have to uh, in some cases, I've got a current customer who uh, has a, we're, we're too booked. We're, we're like two Beautiful. months out. Yeah, we, of course. We, we're, we're just turning people away. We get two to three phone calls a day uh, or we refer, we I'll refer to Cardoza, refer to other contractors I know. Uh, and yet this customer is like, you're the, you're the only people that will respond. That's, yeah. that's another, <laughs> we, get, we get feedback. We get feedback all the time. So I have an office manager she handles uh, the calls, 
she handles uh she's really my this my salesperson in a lot of ways okay. right yeah and you know she's the one to send the text out that we're on the way she's the one to send the text out that you know here's your booked appointment all of those things and we get feedback all the time that your office manager is amazing she she's a great salesperson for you and yeah. you know th- those types of things are th- those other like things that customers appreciate right they, they really yeah appreciate. But, but but back to that customer uh they're like you're the only one that'll respond we have a baby on the way you guys have good reviews on on all of the platforms that you're on and uh we with the new baby we don't want a bunch of dust in our home and we we hear and see that you guys uh, really manage that on the job so i'm like you know what we'll fit them in <laughs> so yeah. you work not it's not just like a one standard for every customer for everything um you, you work with people you get to know them right i look yeah. at it like you're entering into a partnership with that customer right yeah you're, you're it's not just about a contract we're in and out and we're it's, it's done that that job site might evolve over time you know after you're in and out of that uh that room addition they might also be installing flooring and installing uh trim and the walls get dinged up and they're like, hey, you know, this new this new thing you did, can you come and uh, touch yeah. up these for me? Yeah, absolutely. What What's it? It's not going to cost me hardly any time to go through there and, and touch yeah. that up. Yeah. Um, so cool. Greg Streeby, finishing touch drywall out of Springfield, Missouri. Thanks so much for being on the drywall podcast today, man. How cool. Thank what a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. And it was an honor to to be on here and it was an honor speaking to you and, and kind of meeting you virtually face to face. So thank you. You're, you're doing good work. Uh and I'm I'm excited about our, our continued uh conversations and, and chatting with each other. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I'm excited to see what you do with Fresco because you really um sales is big and you have a handle on that already. So you establishing that relationship with the client is the segue to fresco harmony it really is because you know then now all of a sudden they trust you and it's like oh what's this stuff oh that's really neat yeah i hate the texture i get that a ton like yeah i you know i've been wondering i just didn't think there was anything you could do and it's like no you don't have to grind off the texture you can go over it now with the system your walls look beautiful you know, for the price of, you know, paint is going up all the time. It's just a cool, it's something that you can offer your clients that's like, makes you look good. It makes the designers you work with look good or the architects. Um, so you've already got I've, that, man. I've, I've got perfect example. <laughs> was patching. Uh, I was just hired to do a little patch job. And again, it's part of that conversation. I'm not even thinking about, hey, I'm trying to sell this to this person i yeah. just hey there's this new thing that i'm working on called fresco harmony blah 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 and he's like oh really uh we're trying to sell this house i want to put tile over over this fireplace upstairs why don't you come and take a look at this and Done. it's it's a perfect fit and, and it's yep. not it's not for the brick or anything it's just one of those fireplace inserts and drywall you know above and around it yeah he's like i think that would go well there uh, i don't have the time to install the the tile myself and I'm like, yeah, I'll make you up a sample. They yeah. picked out Rio Steel, uh, ordered that, <laughs> made the sample. They picked, they did like the satin over the gloss. 
yep. done, just turned into uh, another sale. The customer yeah. in the time and effort from having to install something else. And it's going to be beautiful around their fireplace. So probably we're cheaper, t- probably cheaper too than the tile, way cheaper or a stack stone or something weird. This is something simple that a client can do on a fireplace. It's like, takes you six hours, eight hours. Right. It's a no brainer. No brainer. It's a no brainer. Yeah. And it looks great. Uh, everybody, everybody that says this, uh, seen the sample says that looks like slate. And I'm like, it does kind of look like slate. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for being on the Drywall Podcast today. Uh, Just what a great conversation. It was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Greg, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Greg Streeby, Finishing Touch Drywall, for being with us on the Drywall Podcast today. I appreciate your candidness and your knowledge. Very impressive. Today's episode of the Drywall Podcast and all of the episodes of the Drywall Podcast in the month of October are brought to you by our friends at CSR. I've known these guys for a long time. They carry Fresco Harmony products. They gave me a shot. They're super cool. They're very supportive. And you can go into their shop in Toronto or in their new location in Barrie. And also you can find them online at csrbuilding.com interested in sponsoring a month of the drywall podcast reach out to me directly info at frescoharmony.com or give me a call 505-409-313 join us every friday as we have new amazing episodes of the drywall podcast for your listening pleasure next week we have teak interiors joining us i'm super excited about that one but for now i hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and remember keep drywalling